I am so excited to introduce you to my next guest, the masterful Michael Nitty. Michael has been touching lives as well as hearts for over three decades. Michael's held multiple executive level positions in several different industries and now primarily works with higher end clients drawing upon not only what he's learned over the last 35 plus years of intensive transformational coursework, but also what showed up as a result of a spiritual awakening back in 1983. After being recruited in 1997 to be the director of operations for Robbins Research International, and for those of you not familiar, that's Tony Robbins' company, he later became the vice president of operations before transitioning into full-time coaching back in 2005. Michael is one of the most prolific life coaches on the planet, coaching on average 100 clients per month, which allowed him to refine and perfect his signature teaching, The Trophy Effect which became a published book back in 2009. Today, Michael continues to coach both privately and as a master platinum coach for Tony Robbins, specializing in coaching executives and other high-profile professionals with a focus on higher consciousness, unconditional love, relationships, and supreme certainty. Hello and welcome to The Katie Carlson Show, a podcast for real, raw, authentic conversations with today's magic makers, love creators, and game changers. I'm Katie Carlson, and I'm so excited to introduce you to real people, real talk, and real stories while embracing the beautiful chaos of life. Michael Nitty, oh my gosh, I am so excited to have you here today. It has been, it's such an honor your presence and your time is such a gift. And so I do not take that lightly. Um, I'm just so grateful to have you here. Oh, you are so sweet. And I'm equally grateful. It's, uh, you know how much I love you and you're just the energy lady. And um, it's just a privilege. It's a privilege to be here. So just tell me where we're going and we'll go there. Yeah. Okay. Well, so first I'd love for, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got here, but let me let the listeners and folks know. I know you're like, oh boy, here we go. But <laughs> we all have a story, right? Um, but let me let the listeners know. And if you're watching this on YouTube, um, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, you know, I actually, I got to meet Michael, I guess it was probably about it was a year and a half ago. Um, when I joined um, this mastermind that he and Michelle Soro ran, and it was absolutely incredible. And I, I, I will tell you, every week of that mastermind, I was just so looking forward to your insights because your wisdom, your stories, just your certainty that you provided me and so many others was so incredibly powerful. Um, and and like anything, right? We don't we don't get to where we are without a few bumps in the road, right? <laughs> and getting up and growing and growing through what we, what we go through. So tell us a little bit to how you got to be where you are as this master coach. You were a big um, contributor for RRI for, for many, many years. And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about how you got here. All right. Well, look, it's always about, you know, surviving the bumps in the road because most anybody who's ever become something has got a story about when they weren't. <laughs> and it's usually not just about where they weren't. When they weren't, it's that there was something actually profoundly not working that they finally broke free of, you know, and from that we rise or we don't. And too many people don't. And they just create a story about why they don't. And then they leave that story for the rest of their life. But that's not you. That's not me. And those people aren't wrong and bad. They probably just haven't found an, a place where they can be coached or understand there's a possibility of letting go of that story and the story serving them. So I could have been that way. And, you know, back when I was 28, my, um, I think it started then. I can't remember now. It was 28, 30, whatever I was. But my, my, my wife, um, I thought we were happily married. It was, you know, it was just we, we were together. I didn't know you were supposed to have great conversations or anything like that. I guess she just got tired of me. And so she ran away with my best friend. <laughs> and so and that was very um, um, not good. And, um, you know, and I was, oh, I was just, a, I was a mess. And uh, so much so that um, I, I was suicidal. I stayed in bed for 30 straight days at my parents' house. They were, and, and finally, when I got, got back to work, our head engineer told me about this course he had just done. Um, and it was called the S Training. And that was the, like one of the original self-help things. And, and I didn't even know self-help existed. Didn't know what it was. Didn't have never followed any philosophers or teachers. 
I mean, one of the reasons she probably left me, I was really, I went to work, came home, that was my life. And, um, you know, I had been a you know, real gung-ho kind of masculine guy in my youth. And, but when I got married, I just became boring and did my work, came home, and that was it. So anyway, so I, I, I don't think about self-help, but he was so excited. And this guy was a bit of a dummy, a bit of a jerk. And he was phenomenal. I'm going, well, whatever he did, I should probably check it out. So I go, I didn't even tell him. I didn't want, heaven forbid, I should tell somebody I was doing this. And so I went and it was two weekends of just amazement. And uh, the guy in the front of the room was like Tony Robbins back in the day. And, um, and it was great. And typically I could tell a story about that, but uh, we'll just keep it short for now. And it all expanded. And I started coaching immediately once I, I did all the rest of the courses. I, I jumped off mountains. I did all the stuff you do with, which is today Landmark. And, uh, and I led courses for Landmark. I was a coach for Landmark. So by 1982, you know, almost, you know, almost 40 years ago, I'm already coaching people, coaching their programs. And I just knew it was what I wanted to do. But there, you couldn't charge for it back then. There was no such career as a coach back then. So I just did it on the side while I was working. And, um, and then uh, eventually, I, one of the people I, co I, I worked with in a program during Landmark back in the early 80s uh, was somebody probably about after I had met Julie, which was in 87, uh, we all got together. And he told me he had just come back from California. He goes, Diddy, Diddy, I know you love, you love Landmark. But I just was out in California with this guy. He's amazing. He's amazing. He walks on fire. He does all this. That. I go, walks on fire. Go, yeah, he walks on fire. You gotta come out there. I'm going out there again next week, and I'm gonna be one of his trainers. They go, oh, okay, you do that. I'm not walking on the fire. So uh, I, I don't need to walk on fire. I'm conscious. I know what the hell I'm doing. Why would you walk on fire? I don't know. So anyway, so Sam goes out there. Guy's name is Sam Georges, and and he just becomes one of Tony's top trainers. At one point, Tony actually tells this story, how he, the business wasn't doing well, and he went to Sam and said, I, you're the only guy I can trust. I want you to give up your law career and come and be my CEO. And he said, I'll give you, a, I'll give you like 90 days. If you like it, you stay. If you don't, you go back to being a boy party. And so Tony said, so he did it, he stayed. And Sam became his CEO. Now, at that point, I lost track of Sam. This was in, you know, about 90 or so. And uh, I went on to continue living my life and my career, my business career, being an executive. Sam had also spent time in our business to, doing some consulting work for us with a merger and acquisition. So he got to see me at work. He got to see me in my, my executive position for what I was doing. But then again, I lost track of him. So now it's like seven later. It's, I remember it's 1997 early. And one day me and Julie come in from shopping and there's a voice message. And I hadn't talked to Sam in like seven years. And the voice message says, Nitty, Sam Georges, call me. And I looked right at Julie and I said, honey, we're moving to San Diego. Wow. <laughs> I just thought that he was going to invite me to come out and be part of the company. And he did. And I went out there. Julie stayed behind for two months. And uh, obviously it worked. And, I, and she came out. Now Julie is Tony's top product salesperson after going through many different things. And, uh, and we were there forever. So anyway, I became, at first, I thought I was going to go out and start coaching. And it would be great. I'd, but he, they wanted me to actually run the company and wanted me to be in charge of operations. So I did. And of course, I got to do all the programs and travel the world with Tony. So I was at every event for all those years. And I would coach people during the breaks and on the side and be like a trainer. And so I got to do my coaching. And there was no coaching program yet. Um, that didn't start until 1999 when I actually brought a lady in that I had coached back in Lagmark in 1982. She was part of my, my first mastermind. And landmark 1982 i brought her in and introduced her to tony and the team and they hired her and in 99 she actually started the coaching division wow so her and i would be at nights till midnight inventing the coaching division that she was responsible for so that was in 99 and then i still wasn't a coach i mean i coached on the side people would call in i would get the calls and i would work with people and it would be wonderful but uh it was in the 2005 when we things transitioned and I became a full-time coach. So I've been coaching full-time for Robbins since 2005, but I've also been coaching on the side equally as long. And so I got a mixture of clients. So there you go. That's amazing. I know. And I love that. You know what? I, I love how you introduced Julie. Can you talk a little bit about, so you had gone through this soul crushing heartbreak, right? Through your marriage. And for those of you that do not know, Julie Nitty is such an incredible, beautiful, sparkly soul on the path. 
She, I mean, you see her, she radiates beauty. She radiates confidence and just soulful energy that is just so incredibly powerful. And she loves shopping too. And she loves shopping. So how did you, how did that happen? How did you go from, you know, cause I think so many people, especially when they go through hardships and, you know, through breakups that can be very crushing, right. To then going and, you know, meeting the love of your life. And it was crushing. It was crushing. So, so that's part of the story I did, because again, as you know, I, I also, one of the things I teach among so many things I teach is the power of synchro destiny, which I, you know, and so, you know, the, the power of taking advantage of all the coincidences in your life. It's how I came to work for Tony. If I don't meet Sam George's, uh, you know, by acts, you know, in Landmark, he doesn't know me. And by the way, he didn't have to come and do that merger and acquisition with us. He wasn't going to do it. He didn't have time. But uh, my it's a long story. So he did. So I got to know him. And, and I wouldn't have been working for Tony if it wasn't for that. So, so the same thing happened with Julie. So um, I, I, after I got conscious, I, I let go of all the boundaries. But I was still you know, a, an intentional, purposeful, loving person. But in that realm of being free, I had fun. And so it was the 80s. And I, we were partying all the time. And I lived with a, a millionaire, multi-millionaire, who had his big giant house on the lake, and we had a big giant powerboat under the house. And so we would go down every night and party on the river at, at the, you know, at the bars. And uh, but everybody else was partying. People could be found elsewhere on the boat doing party shit. And I would be on the back of the boat coaching people. Variably, <laughs> people needed to be coached. And I Steve love that. loved that about me. He loved that I could just be there and have fun, but I was also changing lives on the back of the boat. So one day he was up on the dock, and as usual, there were some ladies standing there looking at the boat, going, oh, that's a beautiful boat. He goes, ah, it's my boat. You should come on. And that's how we got ladies on the boat. So he, he, she said, but the lady girl said, she goes, oh, not now. You know, unfortunately, we were just leaving. We would probably do that, but my friend here, you know, she's, she's not feeling well. She hasn't been out for years. We finally got her out and we've had, that's enough for tonight. We go, what do you mean? She goes, well, she's going through a bad divorce and she's just, she just wants to go home. And he goes, oh, that's exactly why she should come on the boat. She got to come on the boat and talk to my buddy. She's got to what, what was he, a, a psychologist, a therapist, a divorce guy? No, 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 he's better than that. You got to come on the boat. And it's like, she goes, well, okay, we can come on the boat for a little while. So he brings them on the boat, and Julie, and it was her cousin, actually. And, um, and I'm busy coaching somebody. And I'm coaching, I remember I was coaching this young lady. And so, uh, so they show up, and uh, you know, I'm looking at Julie, she's very pretty, and I said, oh, I'd like to coach her. And, uh, but I was coaching this young lady, and I, I said, you know, just hang out, and we'll get with him. But meanwhile, she's hanging out going, why am I even here? Who is this guy dressed in cutoffs, and he doesn't look like a therapist or wife? And, but she started listening to what I was talking to the, the young lady about. But still, 20 minutes go by, and it doesn't look like there's an end in sight. So she says, you know, nice to meet you, even though I didn't uh, have a nice life. I go, oh. So I gave her my business card. I said, well, call me, and we'll figure out what's going on, and we'll have a conversation. I, of course, she wasn't going to call. Nobody ever calls. I passed out 14,000 business cards. It never worked. <laughs> so the next day, she calls. She calls, I go, oh my God, this is so cool. So, you know, she calls and I go, well, this is really great. We can, she goes, no, 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 just look. the only reason I'm calling is I'm, I'm hoping, we think we, my, my cousin left her jacket on your boat. And you said that the boat is right underneath your house. Could you go check? I go, well, of course. So downstairs, sure enough, there was the jacket. So I come upstairs, I go, all right, I got the jacket. Where do I meet you to bring your jacket? And she goes, well, you don't need to do that. I mean, we'll figure out a way to come get it or we'll do something. Go, no, 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 no. I'm supposed to meet you in order to bring you the jacket. Well, what do you mean supposed to? It would be nice, but I, oh no, no, you didn't leave. The jacket wasn't left by accident. Obviously we're supposed to get together. That's why the jacket got left. Mm. So that's synchro destiny. And she goes, you don't understand. Nobody would leave a jacket on purpose. It was an accident. I go, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I convinced her that we were supposed to be together and uh, we had lunch and uh, we've been married over 30 years. It's so beautiful. Uh, and just to see the interactions that you guys have is it's really powerful. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure like anything, right. There's been highs and lows. So how do you keep it fresh? What do you do? Well, if you're talking relationship stuff now, it's just, I completely honor, respect, love her to death and think I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And I never forget that. So, 
it's all about I'm coaching a guy the other day and he's having a problem with the relationship. You know, I get a lot of relationship coaching and I get the guy to turn around, but this guy's going, no, she doesn't do it. She's supposed to be doing some business with me too. And she never does it on time. He's always been complaining about this lady. And I, I'm coaching her as well. I just started and, and, and I'm hearing for her. It's all him. It always is. Whenever a guy comes to me. Yeah. It's always whatever. the other person. Well, no, it's not the other person. It's the other peanut person with a penis. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yes, anyways, I love that. <laughs> when guys come to me and tell me I, that we need to look the relationship, the wife does that, I already know who I'm going to end up fixing. And I hate to use the word fixing. I use it in jazz. But on this planet, it's the men. Are there some wonderful conscious men out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. But they grow into that if they're willing. Okay. They don't show up that way. Usually. Yeah. We're not raised in a place where anybody. I wasn't conscious when I was in my twenties until I got 30 and I got conscious. I was a typical male jerk. I wasn't a bad guy, but I didn't hold women in a high regard. I, I mean, it, it's just the way it was. So anyway, real quickly. So anyway, so I get up and he's telling me, I go, so you know, she's telling me that it's all up to you. Everything's up to you. When you, you decide when you want to have sex, all these things are going to go. I go, let me tell you the secret to my success. My relationship's magnificent. So here's what we do at night. We watch whatever Julie wants to watch on TV. We go wherever Julie wants to go. We go shopping when she wants to go shopping. You're a wimp. I go, do I act like a wimp? I'm not a wimp. I'm 100% strong, masculine. I'm in charge. And from that being in charge place, I do whatever Julie wants to do. Mm, I love that. I so love it's that. Like, look, and in return, then we just, we do what I want to do. We go where we want to go. I mean, you know, whatever happens here. But it's really still, I never forget that, you know, she's this divinely feminine creature that I am privileged to be able to be with. And why would it not be that I wouldn't hold her in such a high regard that, now that doesn't mean we don't have times that we're fighting or we argue or she gets mad at me or whatever, you know, I'm pretty strong will. But so that's really just the secret of the success that the man honors and respects the feminine to such a great degree that he's so privileged to be this magnificent creature that, that, that why would it ever not be that way? Yeah. Uh, so, so how does one do that? So how does how does a man, or, you know, for some of my men, my male listeners out there, how do you do that? How do you access that within yourself? Well, first, you do it from your strong masculine, because it, to most people, it looks like that's going to be a letting down of my strong masculine. The thing, reason I can successful in my business is I do do things the way I want to do them. I am in charge. I am certain. I make these things happen. So you know, and, and you know, but it still comes from a, you know our culturalization at a young age, you know, there's me too for a reason. And whether we agree with me too or their strategies and sometimes it's over the top and all that stuff, that's there for a reason because men have not been held in high regard. And we all know the history there. Okay, there are cults on this planet where, you know, men are the men, the women are the women, they may have harems, they may have whatever they have. And, you know, and that's just the way it is. And I grew up that, you know, when I was, when I was uh, 21, I was managing a, a, a group of, 14 women in a manufacturing environment. And they were all great. And, uh, you know, and I would go around and give them back rubs. There was no, you know, I was hitting on the HR lady who was 22. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> I love it. Who was going to stop me? Who was going to stop me? There was no rules against that. And I wasn't being mean and terrible. And then she was, and she was married. So that wasn't a problem. There, was, there were no problems. We were living life. I was strong and masculine. And I did what I wanted to do. And, and I didn't treat them bad. I just didn't treat them with anything. I, I didn't disrespect them from perspective, but it was like, we were just having fun. We were living life and there was no thought on my part that maybe I was not being appropriate in some way. There was no thought like that. So in fact, when the, 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 the HR lady that I was hitting on, she goes, well, they're actually gonna be promoting you. And so in order to promote you, you've got to replace yourself as the leader of that department. And I said, Great, we'll put an ad in the paper. And she goes, well, why don't you just promote one of the 14 ladies? And I laughed. My 21-year-old self laughed. Now, you got to be how stupid you got to be to be talking to this girl that you have some designs on, and you're laughing and telling her, you can't promote a woman. Wow. How stupid. But I don't even see it as stupid. I just thought it was, it was just what grew inside of me. And that which is inside of most men, okay? And so that's what keeps us from being anything other than we're the man, you're the woman, and that's the way it's gonna be. 
And although it's softened to some respect, and especially with men who are softer, mm-hmm. the stronger the masculine man, that's still in there to some degree. So, you know, so, but it, what it is, is it's not a softening of that masculinity that causes us to honor and respect the feminine. It's, a, it's being divinely masculine. Yeah. Then honor that divine feminine, and you know what it really truly is, and you nurture it, you feed it, you, you appreciate it, you praise it, you allow for it, you honor it, and it's such a beautiful way of showing up. It's like, I always like to say, it's like a beehive. There's the queen, and then there's all the little boys. <laughs> That's the way it should be. Yeah. They're a bunch of weakling little bees. No, they build the hive, they go out and get shit done, they make shit happen for the queen. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's powerful. So, and like, cause as you're, you know, you're speaking about like today in society, and I love talking about this because I do think conditioning has played a significant role in just how we've, you know, come about as women one and also men and, and, and the fact that there's so many single people out there or people in relationships that are miserable because they've lost polarity. They don't, you know, there's just the lack of that, energy and that charge that brings people together. Well, women have been in condition too. They've been conditioned yeah. by the king. So women have made their feminine wrong because that didn't get them anywhere. Yep. Uh, you know, he may have got them the guy who then was cheating with the neighbor anyway. So they've kind of like been conditioned to be more masculine. Even if they're feminine, they're going to be more masculine or they're going to go all the way to the, the feminine route. So, um, but again, it's, it's, they've been conditioned and rightfully so they had to stick up for themselves. They've had to do what they've had to do. Women are walking around, you know, just, even if they're strong, they're still at the effect of being in a man's world. I, I tell all my men, I so, so, okay. So you stay late at the, uh, at the gym and it's dark and you come out and you go, Oh, I didn't mean to stay this long. You just get in your cup and you stop at the ATM. You know, a woman comes out after dark. She didn't mean to stay that long. What does she do when she first gets to her car? Well, after she looks around like crazy, I go, I don't know. She starts the car. I go, no, she looks in the back seat. What is she looking for? The rapist. Yeah, it's true though. So, you know, so you don't have to worry about a rapist. You don't have to, when you walk down the street and there's five women walking toward you, what do you think other than to check them out? Okay. That's not what a woman does. So it's like, so we have no clue. They have no clue. Even at this, now I taught this in 1982 and there's, no men without a clue. But so women, though, have been conditioned to let down their, their feminine. I like to say, so remember, women make women wrong, too. Watch the housewives. Yeah. So, you know, but the point is this. You don't have to be either or. You can express your femininity absolutely magnificently and fully in those appropriate moments. And it should never be either or. It should be a little bit of feminine, a little bit of strength. It should be a lot of support of feminine, not so much strength. Is it a loving situation, a nurturing situation? Is it a make a corporate decision that'll change the course of the company decision? And there's different energies you bring to the party. You access your, your king, your lover, your king, your warrior, your magician, and your lover. Two masculine, two feminine energies. And you dance with all of them. But, you know, if you go, let's say you're at a business meeting. I tell this story a lot. And because I get people to see the difference in the energies and even women, you know, making the feminine wrong. If you're in a business meeting and it's all business, a bunch of people in business suits, and at the end of the day, there's going to be a reception. So all these people, men and women in their business suits, in the business mode, go to this reception, maybe let their hair out a little bit, but they're still dressed in business suits, hanging out, you know, whatever. And then suddenly some, one of the guys disappears, goes out into the hallway and comes back with some woman from the outside. And this woman from the outside is not in a business suit. She's dressed in a short little skirt, you know, maybe some cleavage hanging out, you know, she's looking really good. And, and now, you know, some of the guys start going over to that guy's table and they're all hanging out and there's some laughter going on. And, and, you know, and then they buy her a drink and then, it, you know, and everybody's over there, the men are all over there and the women are all watching. And then at some point she drops her cocktail napkin and all the men bump their heads trying to pick up the cocktail. What are all the ladies thinking about that little girl? Slut. So in every other, every other species on the planet, it is the male that attracts the, fe- the female. It's the, the, the lion with his big, beautiful lion mane attracts the brown little, plain little lion, female lion. The peacock with his beautiful feathers attracts the plain little brown female peacock. In the human species, it's the only species where the female is the cumhitheris. She is the cumhitheris. Yeah. But we don't make cumhither right. We make it wrong. We do. That's the problem right there. Okay. We may come hit wrong. Heaven for she's 40. That's what she's supposed to do. 
I had a guy come up and he goes, I was out last night, man. There's chicks. She was all over herself at the table. And I looked to make sure the guy wasn't just rough bond for her. No, she was alone for a good four minutes. I moved in. Great. Asked her if I could buy her a drink. She said, yes. I go, cool. So I buy the drink. But after about 20 minutes, I had to go pee. I go, okay. So I went to go pee. I come back. There's another guy at the table. <laughs> what a slut. What a blah, 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 blah. Go, yeah. Oh, what's wrong? He goes, well, that, what, what, you know, you got come hither. So what? Mm. So what? And maybe he got come hither. Finally, a girl that could just play the game. I don't know. Maybe he was waiting for the right one. Maybe you weren't the right one. But we had to make it wrong. There was something about her that was wrong. Now the guy does that. Hey, high five the next guy. So we got to quit all that shit. We got to you know, honor the divine feminine, honor the divine masculine, and play the game, you know, and never stop even when you're in a relationship. You know, I see so many people, both sides, they, they got what they got. And now it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm just going to, you know, men get upset because something happens. They're not being in their divine masculine. A woman is turned off or well, I, I use my divine flirtiness and I got it. Now I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you shut it off. And it's, it's so interesting because I think at, at all boil, it kind of comes down to judgment, right? Um, you know, and through that conditioning and, and we judge certain things without, like when we, when it's actually just instinct, you know, it's that instinctive nature within us. Well, it's instinctive. And then at some point, the overriding instinct of our survival mind kicks in and then it rides the biological instinctiveness of us being together. And by the way, together in a way where we thrive and flourish and biologically make children or do whatever we do, we're all still animals, remember? So and then, it, and then, of course, the ego kicks in and, you know, the, the whole survival mind thing kicks in and we don't and we're no longer conscious at all. And we're in survival mode and upset mode and all those things. And that's where most people live their relationships. So obviously my mission and anybody who's a coach or anybody like yourself who understands this stuff, who works with people, our mission is to cause people to return themselves and to access their true self versus walking around in reaction to their instincts which is such a beautiful segue <laughs> to where I was going to go next. Right. So for those of you um, that are listening on the podcast and not seeing this on YouTube, I, I just flashed an incredible book. And if you have not read it, it's, it's amazing. It's called the trophy effect by yours truly Michael Nitty. So Michael in this, um, I find it's, I, first of all, it's, it's an incredible read and it's a quick read too, for folks that, you know, need something that, just, you know, that want to understand a little bit more about, um, you know, intention and reaction, right? Um, so, Michael, can you speak a little bit um, about the difference between intention and reaction and how that, play, how that shows up for all of us? Sure. So, again, we're biologically animals. There has not been one moment of any of our lives where we have not been an animal, okay? And, and everybody knows that. We took science back in grade school. We know that we are biologically mammals. But then, you know, and that means that we have a biological survival mind, just like any other animal in the forest. So the mind is always on the lookout for perceived threats. That's its job, not to get you through medical school, not to do that. That's your intelligence, and that's all beautiful stuff. So, but yeah, and even though we are 24-7 biologically animals with a survival instinct, when was the last time you or most anybody ever got up in the morning and had the thought, gee, I wonder how my survival instinct is going to take me through the day? <laughs> We don't, and yet it does, all the time. It's so whenever, but here's the point, unlike an animal in the forest where the mind is actually, the animal's on the lookout for perceived threats to its life. You know, it's walking through the forest and running on its own business, then it hears a noise, what was that? And it hears a second noise, it's out of there. It doesn't worry about what it is or why it is, it's God. The mind takes over, the instinct causes it to go into reaction. It's biological to go into reaction. Well, we do the same thing, except with human beings, we're in reaction to perceived threats to our ego. We will certainly react if we're, if, a, if we're about to get hit by a speeding bus, we'll react to a threat to our life, but that's rare. So instead, throughout a given day, we are reacting to, our, to the mind perceiving threats to our ego. And you got, that would be anything about, you know, that this person might be thinking that, or they're going to think they're better than me, or they're going to win and I'm going to lose, or they're going to think, whatever. It's, it, it's constantly 24-7. You may think, well, I'm mature. I don't really think those, I don't think about those threats. I don't worry if somebody has more than me or think they're going to, you know, it doesn't matter if you think that. Your mind is still thinking it. So the mind is reacting to perceived threats 
uh, all the time. And so we're react, so we are, we are being pulled around by our survival instinct. Unless we own that's happening, notice it's happening, and within a split second say, okay, I'm not gonna react. But it's not just stopping reaction, it's overriding it with an intentional, purposeful, loving, caring, what is your purpose response. So it's not just not reacting, it's overriding it with intention. And most people- So how do you do that? Yeah, and most people are not doing that because they don't even have an intention. They're just doing the best they can to get through the day. Hopefully I'll get a good job. Maybe they'll find the right person, blah, blah, blah. So first of all, you have to have one. And you didn't come with one. Your intention was to simply be an animal in reaction to your, your, your environment and do the best you can to survive. Yeah. Okay? So the people that are doing better than that in the world, I promise you they have an intention. Now, it could be an intention to just survive at a higher level, rob another bank, sell some more drugs. May not be a good intention. Um, so the secret to living a powerful life is to evolve a great intention, a grand intention. One where you serve, one where you contribute, one where you honor, one where you can vent a business that does those things. So we all have that ability. Every human being has that ability, but we have to, but we first, we, most people don't think they have that ability because they're too, they're too often stuck in reaction, okay? Biological reaction, which they don't call biological reaction. If they simply knew it was biological reaction, they'd say, oh, that's a biological thing. I should probably see if I could override that, but they don't. But you know, it's funny though, because you can feel it in your body. So the book allows people to that's not learn that at the level they would have just learned it if they just listened to me talk for the last five minutes. It actually takes you through a process where you feel it, you get it, you see it happening inside of you where you're able to own it to the degree that when you see there's an alternative way of showing up, a more powerful way, you don't get, you don't see it as a, it's maybe a nice thing to maybe try. You get that it's within you to do that. And so, and then you go out there and you start living on purpose versus in reaction. And uh, guess what? When you do that, life works. Life works. How do you still go into reaction? I'm a human being. I go into reaction as much as everybody else. But the, but the truth is, I live in intention 99% of the time. I live on purpose 99% of the time. So, but if I'm in reaction just as much as everybody else, or if I fall into reaction as much as everybody else, what must be happening? I'm catching it and intentionally shifting back into an intentional, purposeful, loving state. Yeah. And you have that awareness and that gives you the, and it's like building a muscle, right? It's like anything else, right? You have it's to build the muscle, but believe it or not, the simple awareness, think about it. You go into reaction and you know, you have the ability to shift back into it. Why would you stay there? Why do we stay there? Because we know, because it's familiar, familiar. We're, 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 follow, we're allowing ourselves. And we're justifying the fact that, you know, that, it, that, we're, that it's easier to fall into reaction. Uh, the reaction has served us. See, reaction has served us. We yelled at somebody. We've overpowered them. We fought our way to the top. We did whatever we did. And we got results. And we're driving the nice car. And we're, you know, everybody, you know, they thought, oh, he's an asshole or whatever. They don't care. So it almost, if you do shift into a more intentional, loving state, it almost makes what you've been being wrong. So one reason we don't is because it makes what we've been doing wrong. Okay. So that's one small reason. There's so many reasons. The book explains it. Uh, but we all have the ability to shift. And there's so many courses you can do. You know, I work with the master, Mr. Tony Robbins. And, you know, he just finished up the virtual UPW on the last day does the Dickens process. And it basically takes people through this level of understanding. But, you know, it was built up before then for the first couple of days. So most anybody of, you know, teaching anything of substance in this realm, whether it be Deepak or or Sean, or anybody who's doing anything, and all the people you and I know, all the beautiful coaches we all know, the people you work with, and these are, they pretty much understand these fundamentals, and they have their way of supporting people to break free. So, um, you know, but that, that's only a small percentage of the people, unfortunately. The majority of people are walking around, you know, in reaction to all the stuff going on right now with the, the virus and with the politics, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. No, it's not. So how, how have you, have you been handling the last couple of months and through all this? I mean, I can't even believe, I mean, we're already in almost to the end of July now and this quarantine and this virus, I, I, I firmly believe that the virus is actually the fear. It's the fear mongering, all of that. And I believe that this is an opportunity for us all. It's an opportunity for us all to rise up and wake up. 
right? So I'm curious, how have you been navigating this? Well, the way I navigate everything, I'm very privileged to, first of all, me and Julie have been working out of the house for the last 15 years, so there's no difference for us at all. And I don't take that lightly. I don't, you know, I, I have empathy for those who are out there all the time and now have to be home and aren't at their job, especially in certain industries where it's just not happening. I'm here in Vegas. I live here in Vegas, and it's like a ghost town. So, I mean, which is uh, so crazy. I can't even imagine. Pretty. You know, we still go out, and there's people there. I was out last night picking up some food for Julie at a local Mexican restaurant, and it's about half full. And uh, it was great. I was happy to see that. And, um, you know, but it's not that way everywhere. Our one local casino was pretty, pretty happening. Went down at the Bellagio, hardly anybody. Went down, it, so it's, and now it's getting worse. So, but anyway, uh, here, I'm with you. The, the, the virus is mostly about fear. There is a, the people that say there's no virus, I'm, I'm sorry, there are people dying of something that's not called a, a not virus. Okay, so there's a virus. Is it, is it as bad as it is? And is it whatever? No, the majority of people that are, are succumbing are already having other kind of issues, even if they didn't, you find out. Uh, there was a guy the other day in Ohio, he said, I, there was nothing wrong with him. Well, I saw his picture, he was about 80 pounds overweight. All the empathy in the world all the empathy in the world so sad but mostly it's that and there's some definite things we have to you know work on and um obviously but you know but it's still mostly you know if you're careful if you're out there being careful you know you can't close down the entire world um you, but you still have to be careful so i wish i had the answer on how do you go against how do you balance careful and closing down and opening i don't have that maybe i'd be in charge if i did have that answer but um, but you can't walk around in complete fear, either, but you do have to be safe. So um, it'll pass. Um, you know, I, we don't need to get into my personal under, understandings and beliefs about what a vaccine would be. And there are some things happening with vaccines right now are very scary. Altering your DNA. I mean, I'm not into getting my DNA. All. Sorry about that. But, um, you know, so they'll figure it out. And uh, but it's going to be tough for a while. It is. So how do you navigate this, this space? Cause it has, I mean, I think even as, even as, you know, coaches, right. That are supporting other, other people and that, um, how, how are you navigating this? Does that mean that, cause I think it comes back to that also that intention, right. Having that awareness, creating yeah. that intention and, and realizing that we're all doing the best we can with what we have. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's, you know, it's, it's certainly just fortunately we're all involved in a, in a like-minded group of people and including clients and very privileged to be associated with Tony where I get a lot of clients from Tony people and and he just had this big giant virtual UPW so there'll be some although that's evolving too and the whole company his company is evolving to the point where it's not going to be the same on the other side of this thing uh partnering with Dean and there's all kind of things happening so but whatever it is you know I still you know I, I work in partnership with several other high level people I was privileged to a television show extra as a master and, um, you know, when I coach the, the executive producer of that show, I, I coach uh, and I work with Dr. Erica uh, Schwartz, who sends me clients all the time. She's the leading proponent of uh, bioidentical hormone replacement. So she works nothing but people worth a whole lot of money. She sends me clients. I have so many different places. I work with a lot of real estate people that send me clients. So, so I'm just privileged to be able to have a never ending supply of clients. And does that mean that it doesn't go down or it isn't altered or whatever it is? Of course, but I'll dance with that. And, um, you know, we'll do what we have to do. And that is what you have to do. But you can't sit around and go, oh, my God, the world is falling apart. You know, go out there and look to where you can have an impact, what you can do. And uh, go do that. Go do that. You can't sit around and, uh, you know, you, I know you are, you know, figuring out, you know, new life phase and stuff for you and uh, shifting living situations, so many different things. And you're still sitting here in a magnificent state of, you know, of being intentional and on purpose and shining your beautiful light as brightly as you can. And that is what you do. And then you get strategic and shine it in the right place. And, you know, and, and, and let the universe lead you in a direction where you'll be in the right place at the right time and make the right connection and there you'll go. So you can't just sit home and go, oh my God, we're all gonna die. <laughs> Thank goodness. No, and we are going to come out of this and we're all going to be better for it. I believe it. I believe it's a, it's a time for all of us to rise up to, you know, to truly shine our light, you know, because when we shine our light, it encourages others to shine theirs. And it will be different. It will be different. It will be. It will yeah. Happen. Life, it's not going back that we're not, it's not about going back. It's about moving forward and being able to like have the agility and the wherewithal to adjust and pivot. 
when I was, you know, in my working years, and you know, then nobody worked out of their house. Very few people worked out of their house. So everybody, you know, got on transportation and there was traffic and there were people. Nobody would talk to a car next to them on something called a cell phone. That didn't exist. And kids did things other than play video games all day long. I'll tell you. So and it's been that way for a while. So is that wrong or bad? No, it's an evolution. You've got to figure out how to cause life to happen in a powerful way from these new technologies. And, uh, you know, you can pick up your phone and hit an app button and you can do anything. So, you know, I, I, the only thing, danger I see in any of the progress with respect to technology is that we take ourselves away from each other, you know, uh, at the level of being connected, at the level of our love, of shining our light on each other. Um, you know, one of the biggest challenges today is young boys watching porn at eight years old. Okay, on their iPhone. So, that, that, you know, so one of the, you know, all the whole issue of sex trafficking and everything else. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So these things have got to be addressed by all of us on the planet from a place of diving into it, not just saying, oh, it's a terrible thing. I'll write a check for a hundred dollars. So exactly. Yeah. So these things, but that, that we do as a community that we, and if there's only certain members of the community that are doing it, then we do it. But you still have, you know, but that's, we have to rise up as one, as a conscious you know, those of us who are conscious and those who are, and everybody wants to be conscious, by the way. Yeah. Some of the people have only chosen being whatever they are or falling prey to their reactive, you know, survival instincts because they had no clue that that wasn't even an option. Their parents didn't give them that, that show them that option. They, they were growing up in a, on the streets where there was no option called that. So, you know, we all got work to do and we all take responsibility with empathy and love in our hearts. And, um, you know, and we did the best we can. So, that's what we do. And we do it with attention. So I love that. That's amazing. Well, Michael, this has been incredible having you on here. I, so with everybody that I bring on the show, I always ask, um, a series of questions. So we're going to start that portion of, uh, of the call right now. I'll give you a series of answers. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Perfect. Um, okay. So, you know, as you know, being in this space and you can't choose this one, but what book has influenced you the most and why? Um, probably Deepak Chopra's The Spontaneous Fulfillment of Desire because it's about synchro destiny, the science of synchro destiny. I got to work with Deepak for a while when Julie was working with Robbins in product sales. There was a circumstance that caused um, a new president to come in and say she could no longer work underneath me because it wasn't the way companies run. So even though I invented the product sales division, Julie was doing great. So I said, well, okay, we'll abide by your new rules, but if she leaves the company, can she come back at some point in the field? Yeah, yeah, okay. So she went down the street and worked with Deepak Chopra. We knew people at Chopra. So I, and again, I had already been working with Tony, traveling the world, living with Tony on a yacht in the middle of the Mediterranean, traveling, didn't pay a first class, first class flights all over the world, no pennies out of my pocket. Now I'm down, she's at Deepak, so now I can do Deepak's courses for free as her husband. And her first course is, is Synchro Destiny. So I'm, I get into the course, I'm sitting there next to this really tall, good looking guy, turns out to be Gerard Butler. And there's a story attached to that. So, but the bottom line is, it just kept unfolding. Now, so at that point, you know, I had already been a student of Synchro Destiny, having read the book, but then I reread it and realized that this is the life I was living, that it was all because of Synchro Destiny. So that's a long Ooh, answer. That just gave your, me chills. That's a long answer to your question. It's an amazing Yeah, no, that, gave, that just gave me chills. That's amazing. Uh, fulfillment of desire. Spontaneous fulfillment of desire. I have not read that. So that's going to, that's being added to my, to my list. There you, there I you. love it. Okay. So if you could do anything that you wanted to do tonight, go anywhere for any amount of money, what would you do and why? You're not going to like the answer. <laughs> I think I already know. <laughs> exactly what I'm going to be doing. I know. I love that. That just a thought. That's exactly. I'm gonna have my dogs on my lap. I'm just sitting here, you know, watching whatever Julie wants to watch, drinking in my mo most amazing person in my entire life, uh, having spent a day doing what I'm doing now. Her doing the same, serving clients in a very high way. Um, you know, speaking with people. You know, we you use technology. I'm on the with my cell phone all the time. You can't be on your cell phone. Well, I'm on my cell phone all the time because I'm serving, answering, supporting people, doing whatever I'm doing, you know, I, you know I, it's crazy. So it's all about contributing 
And I've been everywhere and done that. I mean, there's no place like, oh, I didn't go. I've been, you know, all over the world. So maybe that would be a different answer if I hadn't. Maybe there was still some bucket list thing. Yeah. But um, I'm trying to think if there is like a be out of there. I don't know. I'm sure there is. But um, with travel the way it is right now, no, we invite people here. One of the reasons we live in Vegas and chose Vegas is people come here. Yeah. And, uh, so we get visitors all the time. We have five bedrooms for a reason. Come. <laughs> so, you know, so it's cool. But that's what I would be doing tonight, which is what I will be doing tonight. And I'm very privileged and eternally grateful for being able to. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I love it. There's, there's, there's so much beauty and you can, you can tell with your energy, like that you're living, I mean, you're living the life that you were guided to live. Right. And you're able to appreciate the moment and not able to, it's like, it's, it's part of your being. I do that on purpose though. I do it on purpose. So in other words, I am actively laying there on the couch watching Julie watch whatever she's watching. And I'm consciously appreciating her. I'm not like, oh, it just comes to me. I mean, it does, but you, you see, it feels, well, then that seems inauthentic. If you really appreciated something, if you really appreciated the lady at the checkout line when you were, why do you have to cause yourself to say something to her? Because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. I did that on purpose. It's like, you know, why most people keep it, put it on loudspeaker, put it on loudspeaker, express your appreciation, your, your joy, your aliveness, put it on loudspeaker. I love that. We all need to do that more. I love that. Thank you. Okay. So next question, um, you have the opportunity to meet one person that you have maybe haven't met yet. Who would it be and why? And then what would you talk about? They can be dead or alive. That's a great question. I, 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 one person I would like to meet. Um, uh, well, it's going to probably be somebody who's making a nick somewhere so I can support them and empower them and be part of whatever they're doing. So it's funny how nobody comes to mind that, uh, I don't, I don't know, be somebody maybe I, uh, I'm so lucky coaching the people I coach. I, I can't watch TV at night without going 20 minutes without seeing somebody I coach. It's just too much. <laughs> so I get to know a lot of those people. And um, this is why, for those of you that are listening or watching this, this is why we call him Master Nitty. <laughs> he is a master. Well, thank you, dear. But we're all our masters. I have got nothing inside of me that anybody else did not have. Right. But you have a beautiful way of pulling out that mastery in others. Yeah, that's what I do. So, um, so it would, uh, I, I, I'll flip it on you a little bit because I've met so many wonderful people, okay? I've time with so many amazing people that people know, but the most favorite one was somebody people don't even know anymore because it was back in 2000 or 2001 and he's no longer with us, but it's General Schwarzkopf, General Norman Schwarzkopf who led us to the Gulf War back in the 90s and some people still don't, but he was a brilliant guy. And at one point I'm backstage with him and he gave me 30 minutes, just me and him one-on-one. And I got to learn leadership from the guy who led the free world out of a, a terrible war. Wow. And I, it's a beautiful story I'd love to tell you sometime. It's just crazy how he, okay, I'll go quick. He was, he was ready to go up on stage and I was in the back, I was behind serving the people, the celebrities that were about to go on speaking that day. And, and he was just ready to get called up on stage and there was a commotion out in the, in the audience. And um, 20,000 people, you could see through the curtain that paramedics were out there helping somebody and they were loading that person onto a gurney and they were bring, a, a stretcher and they are bringing it and they came right past me and Dr. and General Schwarzkopf. And they went and this lady was screaming and crying. We couldn't even hear what she was saying, but she had a cast on. So they didn't put a cast on her in five minutes, but anyway, they, they took her past us and out the other side of the curtain back to wherever you would take somebody with maybe a first stage station or something. And General Schwarzkopf's about to get called up and he goes, where did they take that lady? I, go, I don't know, but I'll find out. He goes, take me there. I, go, I don't know where. So I said, yes, sir. So, I, we, so we, he wants to go wherever that lady went. So we go out the curtain. They were already gone. And so I asked somebody that looked like a stagehand, you know, yeah, yeah, there's a medical facility right over there. So I, I said, follow me, as if I knew where I was going. But I was leading Dr. General Schwarzkopf. So we get to this little room. The door's open, and she's in there. And you get, her back is to the door, and there's some paramedic-type people attending to her, trying to calm her down. Like, why do you have the cast on? What's going on? And she's screaming and we're standing there and she goes, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I broke my leg a while back, but that's not it. I fell out of the stands and I think I'm fine. Go, why are you screaming? He goes, 
there's 20 speakers today, and the only person I came to talk wanted to hear was General Schwarzkopf, and now I'm not in the audience. And he's standing right behind her. Oh so my the gosh. There was the balloons. So he went over and she doesn't know he's behind her. He grabbed the balloons and he walks around in front of her and holds out the balloon and she about died. Oh my gosh. And they're calling his name to go up on stage and he stayed with her for 10 minutes. He was just the most beautiful man. And it was just a big, strong, masculine leader of the, of the armed forces. You know. Oh my God, that's, my whole body is in chills right and then now. Then I got to spend 30 minutes with him afterwards to just hear about leadership. And I was like, wow. So that, somebody like General Schwarzkopf, that's who I would be. That is amazing. That is incredible. Wow. Yeah. And on that, guys, um, Michael, thank you so much. Truly, I've loved having you here. I always love hearing your stories and your wisdom and your guidance um, because you're such a beautiful being and just such an incredible human um, to boot. I mean, truly. And I'm just, I'm beyond grateful. So I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you. you. Now, one more, one last question before we actually go. If you're going to leave the listeners this beautiful community of, of, of beautiful souls with one piece of advice, just one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, be kind on purpose. See, because a lot of people are kind in reaction because that's their identity. They would, and that's a beautiful identity. So just know that you have this ability to catch yourself whenever you're down a little bit off, off for a reason. That's normal, but we don't think it's normal. We think there's something wrong with us. We're depressed or why am I always feeling down? It's normal to feel off. That's what the mind does. So own that and simply say, instead, I'm going to do something on purpose. So you give your love, you give your attention, you contribute to somebody, you just be kind to a stranger. So do that on purpose and never stop. That's the advice. Never stop. Oh, I love that. Well, you're amazing. Thank you again. I'm just so honored to have you here. And um, I can't wait to have you back. Thank you. Thank you from my everything for being here today. Your time is valuable. And I'm so beyond grateful that you were here with us for today's episode. Please subscribe so that you get updates on all the latest episodes, as well as hear about all the incredible upcoming guests we have lined up. Also would absolutely love for you to leave a review and let me know your thoughts, your feedback, your biggest takeaways, etc. Reviews help me and my growing team serve you even more. As always, sending you a big hug, love, energy, and an abundance of light. 